0: And welcome to the Great British Drafting Show, powered by Orpho Carolina and a proud part of the Right Network. We are a Panthers-focused draft podcast. Uh, Throughout the previous weeks, we've been talking about different draft positions. Uh, With that, every week, my guest or co-host, Vincent Richardson, has been joining me. Hello. Uh, And now with the draft coming up this week, this Thursday, uh, we're going to take a more holistic view of the whole draft, uh, look at Vincent's top 32 big board and what the Panthers should uh, do in this draft and what they might do instead.
1: Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Yep.
0: Shall we crack on with uh, the the big board then, the top 32? Yeah, let, let,
1: let, let, let's do that. It's a good place to start and we can go from there.
0: Yep. Um, so this will be a useful exercise because every week we've been going through the positional big board, uh, yep. but this will kind of uh, let us know uh how to compare among positions what you think of them um yeah so number one is Quinn and Williams which for a lot of people won't really be a surprise um the no, no. Those t- uh the tackle or three uh, four defensive end out of Alabama yeah no he's for me he he's he's fairly
1: comfortably the number one prospect not because I have him that much higher graded but just that there's that there's no one who offers the same combination of ceiling and floor that he does um, yeah. you know his value will depend a bit on scheme i think he's probably better in a three four scheme where he can be sort of a a pure penetrator um and, and pass rusher um but but his, his quickness his, his hand usage uh are all pad level are all really good um the only you know the biggest thing he has to work on is probably being better at the point of attack but again that would the value of that will depend on scheme but you know he, he's i think probably the only player in this class who is significantly better at his position than what you expect to get in the average draft class
0: yeah um and i think most people following this draft tend to agree uh he's he's a fairly uncontroversial prospect
1: everyone yes, agrees yeah. that
0: he's really good yeah um and then the, the next two players you've got on your board also projected to go high uh yeah. two edge players uh, josh allen and nick bosa out of kentucky and ohio state respectively
1: yeah, I mean we talked last week about sort of the, the difference between them and why I have one slightly ahead of the other, but they but you know, they're both good prospects. I don't think any of, either of them are sort of generationally good, um but but both um offer a, a immediate value with without having a slightly higher ceiling and both with the slightly higher floor. Um you know, they, they can both rush the passer in, in slightly different ways, but they're, they're day one starters on the edge um uh, uh, and high quality ones at that and, and that gives that that makes you a first round pick really.
0: Yep um and then following them up is jerry tillery uh the f- defensive tackle out of notre dame
1: yeah yeah so I, i've I, where exactly he plays in terms of a 4-3 or a 3-4 is still a little bit up in the air but but when you can rush the passer from the interior as well as he can you, you know you have a role in the nfl uh, and this draft class isn't super super strong and maybe in a stronger draft class he might be a bit lower down but in this draft class it, it's 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 hard to think of many players who are who are better than him um, and he offers immediate value for wherever he ends up
0: Yep, and it, it, it speaks to where the strengths are in this draft class like your top four guys all play on the defensive line
1: yeah no that that is yeah. that is unquestionably the strength of this draft class um i, I mean that works for the panthers because they need both interior and um and edge pass rushers but yep. but but that is the strength of this draft class very clearly
0: yep um and then at number five and six are uh, your top two offensive tackles who we spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, and who might be in play for the panthers in the first round greg little and andre dillard
1: yeah um, and again we've talked a significant length already um about them so if you, if you want to hear more about those guys in particular check out uh two weeks ago's podcast or yeah. uh, we talked about those two in, in, for for quite a while um but yeah i think they're they're the two tackles in this class who i think have a realistic chance of becoming above average left tackles um little has a higher ceiling dillard has a higher floor it's similar to the alan bosa thing um but but again both players offer a high value play at left tackle um uh d- d- you know they both have floors and they both have strengths but but they're both uh have a chance of being weak on starters at left tackle dillard in particular and that's 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 really valuable yeah.
0: um
1: yeah again they're players who probably wouldn't be top 10 picks in every draft class but in this draft class they're top 10
0: picks yep yeah. Um, and then following them up, you've got Brian Burns, uh, who's sort of uh, a bit of a wild card at the edge position.
1: Yeah, so he's, he's quite hard. We talked about this again last week, but again, yeah. he's a harder player to tie down in that what he does well, he does exceptionally well. Um, but he needs some refinement um, as a pass rusher in terms of making the most of, of his skill set. And as a run defender, there are going to be concerns in some schemes about how you use him. And, and you know he's never he's unlikely to ever be great at the point of attack, and it's a matter of of, of, of dealing with that. But you know he again, ceiling is incredibly high. Um, and, and again, someone at, at a position of need for the Panthers. So the top, really, the top seven players in this class are all people who who fall for position of needs uh, for the Panthers.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, very good news. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you've got your first quarterback on the boards, yes. uh, Daniel Jones. Again, might yeah. be a bit of a surprise to some other people, but he is getting some first round attention now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so he he's the last of my first round graded players. Um and that is something else that's that's worth noting. But this class is weak at the very top. Um and this is something we might talk about in a bit. But but I think the thing with Jones is when you when you evaluate quarterbacks from tape alone, which is what we do. You can. It's very easy to evaluate sort of the ability to actually throw the ball, and the accuracy, and the touch, and, and the arm strength. And realistically, the top three guys in this class all have that, and, and even some of the guys lower down have that ability at least. You know, the question, bet- with him or, or Kyler Murray or, or um, Join Haskins, isn't really the ability to throw the ball. Although, of course, there are variations between them in that. The real concern and the real thing that will determine who is the the best quarterback in this class. Is their ability to function inside an offense and uh, whilst you know i you never from a tape-based evaluation of a college prospect ever feel super confident in that i feel more confident in jones than i do in haskins uh, and murray who are both also you know on this top 32 board and we'll talk to uh, talk about in a second uh, but but jones he chose a really nice ability to work through reads and crucially does it quickly um he very rarely makes bad decisions and given that he was working behind a pretty terrible offensive line and with pretty limited skill position um, players, uh, he he was able to consistently find the right guy and and th- throw them open more often than not. Um, again, it's hard to be really, really enthusiastic about a quarterback based just on tape, but uh, based on tape alone, I think he's he is the best quarterback for me in this class.
0: Mm. Uh, again, that's a, an interesting take. Um, yeah, I mean, when we talk, when we talk,
1: yeah, when we talk about Haskins and Murray, I'll, I'll, it's easier to talk about them through comparison if that makes sense, which I think yeah. we'll get to when we get to them. And, and it, none of the quarterbacks, it's it's it, from tape alone, it's very hard to to ever have a guy who you really pound the table for because there's such uncertainty when you evaluate them based on
0: tape. Yeah, um, and I imagine if there was a, a quarterback that you were really really high on, they would probably be top five on your big board in this. Type of class. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, some of this is the reason why why have got three quarterbacks in the top 32, even in a weak quarterback class, is because the quarterback position is so valuable. And there are three guys who have at least a decent chance of becoming NFL starters. And that, that makes you a top 32 player in this class, really.
0: Yep. Now, uh, following Daniel Jones are the three W's, Greedy Williams, a cornerback out of LSU, Christian Wilkins, the 4-3 defensive end out of Clemson. It's a, it's a tackle, defensive tackle. Defensive tackle, sorry, my bad. No, uh, and and Devon White, the linebacker of LSU. Yeah. So they're they're quite different players.
1: Um, Devon White and Greedy Williams, what they offer is an absolute ceiling value. The 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 best their best case scenario is is so so high. I mean, uh, Greedy Williams is a man press corner, and he has flaws as a run defender, and he needs some work in zone. But when you can play man coverage as well as he can with his kind of ball skills. That's really, really valuable, and and the run defense concerns and some of the zone coverage uh, issues, particularly in cover three, are, are why I don't have a first round grade in him. But but he, you know, what he does well, he does very well, and his best case scenario is that of a, an elite number one corner. Similarly, Devon White, there are concerns about him in terms of his ability to to to, to defend the run and particularly taking on blockers. Um, but but his and, and the, his coverage potential is super, super high. I mean, the issue with college linebackers is quite often if they weren't they aren't really pushed as coverage players. They play a lot of sort of drop back zone um, and sort of simple man on relatively um, simple underneath routes. Um, and there's you know you have to project where he's going to be as a coverage player, but but where his potential is is incredibly um, valuable. Um, and with Wilkins, it's almost the exact opposite in that he can be. Uh, an immediate contributor from day one and particularly in a four three scheme he's a very good run defender and is at least a good pass rusher with the potential to be better with time um and i think that that is worth a, a top 15 grade in, in this class
0: yeah um yeah yeah and uh, if i'm uh, looking at your board correctly greedy williams is the only cornerback
1: Uh, yes he is yeah for for, for me there's a there's a real gap between him and and the rest there there are a few others who are then grouped quite closely once you get to that sort of second tier yeah but but i uh he's comfortably the best corner in this class for me
0: yeah um so if your team not necessarily the panthers but another team that needed a cornerback uh and wanted to draft one in the first round it's greedy or or nothing really
1: yeah yeah i mean he if you're, if you're a cover three team, he probably doesn't have as high a value as he does here. And there yep. might be some people you start to think of as better value on, on day two, sort of a, a Joe John Williams or something like that. Yep. Um, but but if you play man coverage a lot, he's, he's so valuable.
0: Yep. Um, and then following up, Devin White at 12, 13 and 14 are three players the, the Panthers may take a look at Yes. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, who's a free safety out of Florida chase winovich who's uh an edge rusher out of michigan and ed oliver the defensive tackle slash defensive end out of houston yeah so i think ed oliver will probably be gone by the time the panthers pick um
1: yeah. it, it's hard to know but 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 he might be um again there's a balance of ceiling versus floor with these three guys uh gardner johnson his potential value as a as a deep field, um, either cover one or cover three safety, is is really appealing. He, he's got great movement skills, uh, really good speed for a deep field safety, uh, yeah. great awareness and ball skills, and his run defense is good, not great, but but that potential to be to be that sort of deep center field safety, taking away the deep center middle and and ability to then affect the outside thirds and the intermediate middle as well, and generate turnovers crucially with from that you know, if you run a cover three scheme or a cover one scheme, having that centre field safety is so valuable. And he's really the only safety in this class who who has shown he can do that, even if it was in 2017 rather than 2018. Um, at least to a very high level. There are others who play yep. different schemes well, but but he's the only real sort of, you know, centre field free safety, who I think is anything like a first round uh, pick.
0: And I'm guessing uh, um, the kind of value of that position is why... Is partly why he's uh, rated high on your big board as well.
1: Yeah, you know I have another safety in, in, in my top 16, um, but 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 yes, the reason why, particularly the reason why they're one and two in the order they are, is the val- the value of the schemes they fit into really. Yeah. Um, Chase Winovich, by comparison, is a very safe pick, has very few flaws, even if his absolute ceiling isn't as high as some of the others. Um, he for some reason isn't getting a load of first round love, but but he he's. He, he, yeah, he, he's just a very, very safe, well-rounded, immediate impact pick with the potential to get better as well. Um, although his ceiling isn't super, super high. Um, but yeah, when I say that, he he could be a 10-plus sack guy. He just probably isn't going to be the the franchise cornerstone piece.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then Ed Oliver is, again, more of the potential in that he's an elite-run defender right now with great athleticism. But his past rush is more promised than his actual production right now um yeah. and it, whilst his run defense is excellent it, it's very reliant on him beating you for pad level and if you can match his pad level his actual ability to hold up at the point of attack when you do that is slightly concerning so so teams will will target that potentially that, that if you can get under his pad level he really struggles but but he's he, that's so hard to do because uh, yeah. his pad level is so good but but yes no, you know his 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 immediate values as a run defender and teams will want to tap into his potential as a pass rusher more as, as, as time goes on.
0: Yep. Um, just just quickly on Chase Winovich, I think he might be my draft crush of this year's class. Things between yeah, no, him he... and Anthony Johnson, um, but they're two players who know how to play the game.
1: Yeah, no, they are. They're just they're just very technically rounded players. I mean, mm-hmm. I, Winovich is possibly the, the the safest pick in this class. Like, I just maybe Bosa has his value was a pass rusher both yeah. as a safer pass rusher his run defense just isn't as good but but Winovich is is so so safe as a prospect it's so hard to see him in busting at all yeah. um even if he's not necessarily getting it that much better yeah yeah um, no I, I really like him I mean if he's there at 47 for the Panthers that's the absolute sort of perfect scenario
0: yeah yeah and uh, we are going to get on to the Panthers draft strategy um yeah, soon yeah um so at 15 you've got damian harris uh, the running yeah. back out of alabama and at 16 you have nazir adley who's the the safety out of delaware
1: yeah yeah um so we'll try and sort of rush through the rest of them yeah. because this this board will be available on the right report like this week um yeah, yeah. yeah harris is 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 doesn't have the absolute ceiling of someone like a Saquon Barkley uh, or even really the receiving ability of a Christian McCaffrey. But what he offers you is a reliable inside rusher and a really good one at that. Um, and he's not going to be breaking off 40, 50-yard plays every time, but he consistently gets five, six, seven yards and consistently adds yardage to what is blocked for him with excellent vision, balance uh, and and power. Uh, and if, if you're a team that wants to, to to run the ball and then build off it, you know, I mean, that sounds old-fashioned, but that's what effectively what the Rams have done. Um, if you want to run that kind of ball control offense and then generate big plays off it, he, he's sort of the perfect feature back to build around that. Um, and Josh Jacobs, who's my number two running back, you'll we'll get to in a second, is sort of almost the the, the, the more modern NFL player and probably mm-hmm. uh, has more value to more teams. Um, but I think in in their best usage, I think Harris is the better player. Yep.
0: Um,
1: uh, and, then, and then and then addedly, it is more of a Talked about sort of you know, Gardner Johnson being that, that cover three, cover one, deep field safety. Adley's more uh, of a cover two um, or split high safety. Um, he doesn't have quite the range of an Adley, uh, uh, sorry, of a, a Gardner Johnson even. Um, but his run defense is better. He's got really good ball skills. He actually covers really nicely underneath, which which Gardner Johnson does do as well. But but he he's more of a versatile safety. Um, and probably would be well suited to more of a, a cover two or a split high uh, scheme where he can he can mix his usage and, and 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 really get the most out of his various different skill sets, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And from uh, 17 to 20, you've got a couple of Ohio State players in uh, Draymond Jones, the defense tackle and Dwayne Haskins, who's the, the next quarterback on your board uh, and the aforementioned Josh Jacobs out of Alabama we've also mentioned, and Anthony Nelson, the, the edge rusher of Iowa.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so Jamon Jones um, is, is very much a sort of a natural three-tech. Uh, he penetrates well against the run and flashes really nice hand usage um, as a pass rusher, but there is, you know, development that needs to be done. Um, his pad level against the run is a particular concern, and, and his hand usage a pass, pass rusher needs to be more consistent. But again, if you can rush the quarterback well and you can create negative plays, you're going to have value in the NFL. Um I'll talk about Jacobs and Nelson quickly, and then we'll get to, to Haskins. Um, yeah, I think mean, J- Jacobs doesn't run with the consistency that Harris does, but he does create more big plays. Uh, uh, and as a receiver, he is, he is comfortably the best receiving running back in his class, certainly of the of the guys who can potentially be franchise backs. Um, I don't think he's in the same category as, as a as a Le'Veon Bell or or, or, or that, that that kind of player. But but he's again he's a good decent interior rusher. Uh, who offers uh, matchup value as a receiver, and it, for a team that isn't going to base their game around a running back, his combination of skills is very nice. He's a, he's a he his combination of inside power running and receiving ability for a team that isn't going to be built around a running back are going to be is going to be really appealing. Um, he's very much the running back for the modern NFL. Um, Nelson is 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 effectively a slightly worse version of Winovich in that there's nothing he does exceptionally well, but but has very few real flaws. Um, as a longer defensive end he, he does have some pad level concerns uh, at times but also has value in that he can kick inside and potentially play the three tech in a three four at times um, sneakily athletic um, and uses his hands very well um, I think Haskins are you going to compare Haskins and, and, and Jones yeah I think as actual pure throwers of the ball I think they're very similar I don't think there's a massive difference between them um, mm-hmm. and I don't think Haskins is a bad decision maker I just think he sometimes took a little while to go through reads. And I think sort of when Purdue really blitzed him from all over the place, he struggled recognising exactly where the ball had to go and getting it there quickly. And some of that is because he spent one year as a starter. And it might be that with more playing time, that just starts to become more natural. And it is, you know, it is something that young guys who haven't got loads of experience do sort of struggle with because they just haven't seen the range of things that might get thrown at them. And and if you're a team who's interviewed him and worked him out and, and you really feel confident this is just a matter of, of getting him some more game reps, then I think he's very much in the same category as Jones, if not possibly slightly better. Uh, but just the the big hesitation with me is the what th- th- there is also another one. But the the major one is is that sometimes when when things got a bit busy in front of him, he took a little while to sort of work through where the ball was actually meant to be going and. Um, the other concern is that when you do move him off his spot and make him work out of a dirty pocket, his footwork does break down in quite a troubling way. Um, and again, maybe that's a discipline thing and you can coach it and you can fix it. And I, I, it's it's so hard to be massively confident about quarterbacks based on tape alone. But there are, whereas Jones showed that he could work out of a dirty pocket because he was having to do it all the time, Haskins were generally very well protected at Ohio State and but did struggle when when the pocket did sort of break down a bit. Um, but again if you were going to tell me in five years time that Haskins was a better quarterback than, than Jones I wouldn't think you were completely mad I just I think the relative probability is slightly higher for Jones and that is what you know they're not miles apart they're just it's 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 little gaps for quarterbacks to create quite large differences in in grade
0: yep um, so that there isn't a big difference between essentially eight and 18 on you no, I mean on, on your big board I mean th- there's this board is
1: is I mean I've got it's, it's a very late first round grade on Jones, um, yeah. and also when I mean, you got a quarterback, a slight difference in value creates a wide ranging grade. You know, it, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, that a lot a large factor in their grade is is the sort of the 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 weighted value of playing quarterback. Um, so the small gap in ability to do that creates quite a wide ranging grade. Um, but yeah, no, this this is quite a condensed draft class. There's a few, there's a handful of very good prospects, and there's a lot of players who either do some very good things, but don't have the absolute ceiling, or or have the absolute ceiling, but also have some more worrying
0: flaws. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that's apparent with uh, the next four group of players. Uh, in yeah. that you've got we've got two fairly safe interior offensive linemen in Chris Lindstrom and Connor McGovern. But yep. so then following them up, you've got two sort of boom bust edge prospects in DeAndre Walker and Yachai Polite.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's exactly that. The that, that Lindstrom and McGovern don't have the super high ceiling, but they also don't have a particularly troublesome floor. And their Walker and Polite could be great, but also could bust. So, you know, that that, that is the the issue with this class, and I think it's something we're talking about, is that there are a lot of players with very high ceilings. Like, you know, players we can talk about later, like, like Rashawn Gary and DK Metcalf. They could be great, but their floor is a complete bust. You know, it if Gary and, and Metcalf do not make any improvements, then they're borderline starters at best. Yeah. Um, but if they can live up to their potential, then they're their elite players. And the fact that I've got lower grades in them doesn't mean that I don't think they can become that. It's just that you have to acknowledge there is a real range of outcomes, and trying to assume, assuming they're going to end up on the positive side of that, I think, is foolish. Yep. Yeah. Um yeah, but, but Polite, Polite and Walker uh, have the potential. They just either have significant flaws or significant concerns in how they play. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then after them, the next couple of guys, well, the next three guys really are all much more on that safer end of the spectrum, which is Irv Smith, Anthony Johnson and Taylor Rapp. I don't think any of them are ever going to be elite players at the NFL level. Um, But, but all of them are fairly technically well-rounded and can be immediate contributors from day one. Um, and that's worth a late second round grade. In, uh, and in this class, that makes you a top, top 35, 40 prospect. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I, I, I think like sort of, you know, Smith and Johnson are my highest rated skill position players, apart from the, the certainly the wide receiver and tight end. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but I'd be surprised if either of them are the best player from those positions out of this class. It's just that the players below them have much more bust potential um, yeah, yeah. and therefore fall slightly. Um And then behind them, it's you know Kyler Murray, who is the sort of the number one prospect on many boards. Um, I can definitely see the appeal with Kyler Murray. Oh yeah, of course. He 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 makes throws that no one else in this class can make, Um, and and his elusiveness and his abilities as a runner is really exciting. And the, the best case scenario for him is probably the best of any quarterback in this class. However, there are concerns and. That, that again if you have a chance to work him out and work out why he does some of the things he does you might feel more confident but he, too often if the first couple of reads weren't there he just took off and ran and that's fine at college because you can get away with that and maybe that was a calculated thing he did in college but not being able to talk to him you don't know um and, and in the nfl you can't just try and take off every time your first couple of reads aren't there um you know that 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 tends to end pretty badly um and and you know if you if you give him a great offensive line and skill position players maybe you could you could hide that even if it doesn't get fixed but if he can't if that isn't if that is something that's more innate than just a tactical decision at the time then if you try and do that when you've got a bad offensive line teams are just going to know you're going to do that and just spy you and whilst he's a dynamic rusher he's not built to take you know 300 carries a season um and, and that's that the, the, the risk he runs is if you get pressured in the NFL, you have to be able to stay in there and make the plays. And I'm not saying he can't do it. It's just it was clear in college that that wasn't what the priority was. Um, and without being able to work him out, you can't assume that that's something he's suddenly going to do at the NFL level.
0: Yeah, you're certainly a brave man uh, trying to put Carlo Murray on a big board because I have no idea where I stand on him. Yeah, um, no, <laughs> I, 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 he is
1: one of the hardest quarterbacks to, to evaluate I think I've ever seen. I, I can... I can very much believe there are teams who don't have him on their board at all that just just don't don't think yeah. he's worth trying to trying to take a risk on. And I can see how others could have him as the top prospect because he does have he does everything from a passing the ball point of view that that you could want to see. Although there are there are some ugly misses, but 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 he shows the ability to make unbelievable throws. But but you have to be able to actually run an offense and that's Generally what separates NFL quarterbacks is not their ability to throw the ball it's their ability to actually make the right decisions with the ball before they oh, yeah. throw it. Yeah. And 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 that's the thing that that you that it's not that I think Jones is better than Haskins or Murray it's just that I have fewer obvious concerns if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: And I yeah, I, evaluating quarterbacks from tape is hard. Um and I wouldn't Bet on any of these three players either being great or not being great, but but Murray has the most obvious red flags for me.
0: Yep. Um, and then the guys uh, following Murray, D.K. Metcalf and Rashawn Gary, are fairly similar as prospects. Um,
1: yes, the, the, their ceilings are of Hall of Famers, and their floors are of guys who are out of the league within three years. Yeah. Um, both have amazing athletic potential. I don't think there's any point trying to worry about that but but both have real concerns i mean metcalf flashes as a route runner but needs to be far more consistent um and particularly against press as well and also just drops the ball a lot more than you'd like for, oh, yeah. for, for a number oh, yeah. one receiver um and if those are concentration drops and his route running you think can come with coaching then he has elite number one potential but but if he continues to drop the ball and and and, and doesn't improve the route runner then there are the likes of Stephen Hill, who serve as very good cautionary warnings of players with these immense athletic numbers and great size, and who just just can't can't add value uh, to a team. So Metcalf, there there are players who who can show you what he can become, and there are players who offer very strong cautionary tales of why maybe you don't take him in the top ten. Um, and the same with Gary; in that his his athletic numbers are are fantastic, um, but he. I don't think he can play the edge in the NFL. I don't think he bends well enough. Um, and if you're going to play him inside, you have to work on his pad level and his hand usage. And if you can do that and you fix those things, he can be a great interior player. But right now, he's not. Uh, and assuming he's going to become what he can become is foolish, I think.
0: Yeah, um, I think he's the player I'm lowest on. So like the opposite of a draft crush.
1: Yes, um, yeah, I no. just I
0: just don't see it at all. Um, no,
1: I, I mean I I, I I can I can see what the appeal is in terms of a top fifty prospect. I just can't the, the top th- half the first round crush. You know, yeah, I just yeah. I just don't I don't get that at all. Yeah. Um, the opposite of the spectrum of that is Greg Gaines, yeah. <laughs> who is my thirty-first <laughs> ready prospect, who is very very safe but also pretty unexciting when it comes to absolute value i mean he's he's the kind of guy whose value is never going to show up on a stat sheet um because what he does well is take on blocks and just just eat up space and blockers and that's not something that you you spend 10 plus million dollars a year on or make a first round pick out of uh but but style of has shown that there is value you know starletulay has never had double digit tackles for loss or double digit quarterback hits in a season yep. you know but if you solo block him in the pass in pass protection he can push the pocket if you solo block him solo block him in the run game he can be really disruptive um and he forces double teams uh, particularly in the run game and that then frees up linebackers to make plays and some schemes won't value that very much at all uh, particularly penetrating schemes won't really care about what gains does but it, but if you ask guys to to gap fit um and that's sort of the core of your run defense greg Gaines can do that and eat up blockers and free up your linebackers to make plays and that in a quite weak draft class that has value
0: yeah
1: and then my final top 30 prospect is mac wilson who again the ceiling is great great movement skills coverage potential is amazing however in run defense there are concerns um and maybe in a 4-3 scheme, you think you can play him outside linebacker and hide some of those. But but particularly if you're playing a 3-4 scheme and you're asking him to play inside, then you're going to need him to be better at taking on blockers because he is he has the potential to be a really good coverage player. But but the the run concerns do trouble me. Um, I know you have him quite high uh, in your estimations, but but yeah. for me, for me, his 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 lack of absolute elite coverage play. Um, combined with um, you know not great run defense, it, it, it's it's hard to have him super highly rated. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, he, he's he, his ceiling is very high, but his floor isn't great.
0: Yeah. Um, and before we move on to the Panthers draft strategy, um, I think it's pretty cool to, to point out that in your big board, you've got eight players who are edge rushers yeah uh, no, no it, 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 like it, it's it's like fully a quarter of your top 32 uh edge rushers
1: yeah no, no i i it, it's i mean gary it is a question about whether he's really in there yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or a three tech but but yes no it, it is it is a really really strong class in that regard um and i think that's i mean it's now we're talking about sort of how this what this actually means for the panthers but but yeah. that that is going to affect um what the panthers do from a draft strategy point of view and i Don't get me wrong. If if the highest player you have on your board at sixteen, by a long way, is an edge rusher, I don't think you overthink it and try and go elsewhere. I think you do take that player,
0: yeah.
1: Unless you don't have them graded high enough to take at sixteen anyway. However, if 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 you've got fairly similarly graded players at sixteen, at say edge rusher and offensive tackle, I I think you've got to go with a tackle because there's just if you don't get one of the top two tackles in this class, and you then look to get a tackle on day two. You're yeah. either going to get someone who can't play immediately, or who realistically you're going to have to look to replace in a year or two anyway, and it's just a stopgap. Uh, and that you know, if it's almost one of those things where it, I don't, I don't think there are many tackles I would be happy taking at 47. You either want to take them at 16, or you want to take them at 77 or 100. Um, whereas at edge, if you don't get one at 16, there are going to be good ones at 47. If you don't get one at 47, there's probably going to be a decent one at 77 as well. Yep. So. It is something you can wait more on um, than you can uh, tackle, and and so that is going to affect what the Panthers do. I, I think the it is also worth noting that that three tech is a real need for this team, particularly if they're going to go to if they're going to go to a more of a three four defense, which is what they've talked about. They need to get three techs in because right now they just don't. They they have a four three roster from an in, interior offensive line a defensive line point of view. And if they try and run a 3-4 with that, they're going to really struggle for, for interior pass rush. So, you know, if, if if they get the 16, say, and the top tackles are gone and the top edge rushers are gone, if Jerry Tillery's there, I know the Panthers don't sort of... Panthers fans might not, not love the idea of an interior pass rusher, but that's got to be something they consider. You know, right now, it's really unclear who would start at, at three-tech opposite, Quan Short. Yep. Yeah. And if you get the chance to get a, a, a good quality interior pass rusher, I think that has to be part of the conversation as well.
0: Can you see the Panthers taking any other position at sixteen?
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, I, you know, I've been a Panthers fan long enough to realize they can do some pretty insane stuff. Uh So yeah. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule anything out. Um. I could kind of see. If they have a safety really rate, if they really like one of Gardner-Johnson or, or Annerley in particular, I, I could see if the board falls badly, that being sort of, uh, no, see if even Tillery's gone um, and the tackles and the edge rushers are gone by 16 and you can't get a good trade back. I could, I could see maybe a Greedy Williams if... if, 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 if uh, if they really, really like that. And, and are pretty convinced that, that Bradbury isn't coming back after this season. Um, but also a Gardner Johnson or, 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 an Adderley, probably a Gardner Johnson based on the scheme or what they think yep. it's going to be like. I could potentially see that at 16, but, uh, I think someone who plays either offensive or defensive line has to be plan a, and maybe secondary is the only other area I could really see them targeting.
0: Yep. Um, so what it sounds like is your preferred strategy for the Panthers is to take one of Little or Dillard in the first round and then go yeah. to edge in a, in a second.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you also have to... I mean, this is something that Marty honey talks about in his press conference as well. You, you have to at least be open to the idea of trading down. Yeah. The, the, this is a class that is much deeper than it is top-end strong. And particularly, you know, if, if Dillard and Burns are gone and your top-rated player is a Greg Little or, or a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, or or, you know, or even if it's a Chase Winovich, say, they're going to be there five picks later. They're possibly going to be there 10 picks later. Yeah. A- and if you can get an extra three in this class, that's actually worth something. Like, this is a class where there are going to be, you know, if you get an extra third-round pick, that's worth something. That, that that You can get a starter for that, potentially. Or at least there's someone who comes in and and, and, and competes. Um. A- a- and so it, it, if... If you don't have a player you love at 16 in this class, I think trading down, particularly given the Giants are at 17, and I think there's a, re- I, I think there's a real chance they go Daniel Jones at 17 if he's there.
0: Yeah. And if there's a team yeah, lower yeah.
1: down that likes Daniel Jones, um, or likes a quarterback that I think the Giants might go for, I, I can see there at least being some interest to trade up into 16 to get ahead of the Giants. Um, and, and if there's a decent deal on the table, unless there's someone you absolutely love at 16... I think that's something to really consider Uh, but yes I'd I'd, I'd, unless that you clearly have an edge so or a D linesman so much higher rated than the top rated tackle on your board at 16 if it's a if it's a real discussion about who's a better prospect I think you have to take the tackle just because the value isn't there on day two whereas it is definitely there for both three techs and edge rushers
0: Yep. um so to make this a bit more concrete uh Let's say by some miracle one of Josh Allen or Nick Bosa are available at 16, but yep. you could have a, a stab at let's say Andre Dillard. Uh, do you still stick with uh, the tackle? I think I think you definitely trade down there.
1: Like i really see if, if, if Allen or Bosa fall to 16, someone is going to be phoning you to try and take them. Yeah. You know, uh, if you're forced to, if you, you know, if there's no trade down, you have to pick between Allen, Bosa, or Dillard. I think for the Panthers in this class that probably means that an edge rusher hasn't already gone before, or maybe one edge rusher has gone, in which case you take Dillard and you just chance that there's going to be someone good at 47. Because if yeah. if, if in this class, you're only talking about one edge rusher gone by 16, e- even though Bosa's is a better player than Dillard, uh, I, the gap between Dillard and what you're going to get at 47 at tackle potentially, in, in, like unless you think little has completely slipped and it's going to be there at 47 and you've got inside voices telling you that that's what's going to happen. Um, uh, I, I think you have to getting someone getting a Dillard and a Winovich is so much better than getting a Caleb McGarry and any <laughs> in this class like like written no, but re- realistically like 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 if you're talking about like tackles who might be there in the second round who people seem to like like okay I know we're lower on McGarry than most people are but even if you took a Titus Howard or a Dalton Reisner who I think are decent players I would much rather have Dillard and Winovich than any edge rusher in this class and Dalton Reisner. Like yeah. the, the, the the gap between the top two tackles and the rest for me is really significant. Um, And if, if you can get one of those two and a top five edge rusher in this class with your top two picks, then, then I think that's, that's a win.
0: Yeah. Um, the, the the
1: the only other thing that might be on the board for the Panthers in terms of sort of trading down is, you know, if you think you have to address safety, uh, tackle and edge, if you could somehow find a way to trade back, say, five or ten spaces and give up a third round pick and also then pick up a pick in the top 45 to give you a chance to then address safety as well, potentially, then that's something you have to maybe consider. or, or but, but that's then getting really into the weeds in terms of strategy. But I think the... Uh, the, the clear takeaway from this is there's going to be good day two options at both three tech and edge rusher yeah,
0: yeah in a way
1: that possibly aren't going to be at safety and almost certainly aren't going to be at tackle uh, and if you get a chance to get a a highly rated tackle or, or safety at six uh, certainly tackle at 16 you, you have to take that
0: yeah my my worry with trading back is it means that you you might miss out on one of little or dillard um and then the, I, the panthers are in a bit of a bind
1: i think it depends how far you trade back yeah like realistically if you trade back three or four places i don't think the giants are taking a tackle um maybe they would but i don't think they would i think i think if they haven't gone quarterback at six i think there's a real chance they go quarterback at 17 Mm -hmm. it also depends who you trade back with and where and all kinds of stuff yeah and this is this is what teams do is they look at who who like realistically who are teams behind them likely to take um and if you've got three you know. If you had three teams that clearly want to take an offensive tackle behind you, you maybe don't do it. But if you think if 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 you've got three players, if you had, say, Little Dillard and Burns all on the board at 16, who realistically, you'd be happy with any of them. If you trade back to 18 or 19, you're still going to get one of those players. You will just maybe get one of those players and an extra third round pick. And, And those those. Either that or, or if, if you're very sure that the, that the NFL does not have a top 25 grade on Greg Little and that you're going to be able to get him at 25, say, or in the late 20s. Yeah. If you show back 10 places, you know, it, it's really I mean, you have to look at what the gaps are between the prospects you've got highly rated and what 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 is the, what what could you lose by doing this? And what could you gain? And you, yeah. you only really know that. When you know what the board looks like at sixteen and what, you know, the teams behind you are likely to do with what that board is. yeah. Um and that's why it you know, in terms of draft day trades, you do them when you've got the pick and you know what your options are. You don't do it preemptively five picks oh, earlier yeah, yeah. when actually, you know, suddenly the draft board can be completely different by the time you were meant to be picking it. So yeah, I I wouldn't trade back preemptively or anything like that. But I think you have to look at it when you get to the pick and see right what what are our options and what do we think is the best one.
0: Yeah, and the the Panthers uh, kind of uh, team will be um, assessing, going through a bunch of different scenarios, so that when they have to make a decision, they can do so quickly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And also, as, as as the draft board starts to fall, I think there are it will start to
1: become very clear in the first few picks what direction the draft's going in. Yeah. You know, if there's no quarterback gone by the fourth pick that that's then you know that changes the dynamic completely but if you've got two quarterbacks gone by the top 10 or maybe even three oh, yeah, th- yeah. Th- then you've got a completely different scenario and once once those what you know what happens with the first overall pick if if it's a quarterback or if it's not that will then set up a lot of things from there on. And once you know those couple of things, you can then start going, okay, this might happen, that might happen. You've got all these eventualities and they start closing off very quickly into a few sort of scenarios. So, you know, if, you know, Dillard goes in the top 10, uh, as does Brian Burns, then, you know, then that's a very different scenario to if they start being there at 14, 15, then you start sort of, okay, right, what are our trading down options kind of things?
0: Yep. Um, Yeah.
1: I think the only other thing that is definitely worth us talking about is the the talk that's come out in the last week or so. Of the Panthers may be taking a quarterback on day two.
0: Yeah, very interesting.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, yeah it's interesting. Um, if you think Cam Newton is hurt enough that you need a long term starter, not just could do with someone to develop behind him, but need someone who can potentially start as early as this season and is going to be your long term option at quarterback. If you think it's that bad, you either have to believe in someone at 16 and actually think it's worth spending a first round pick on. And this is, you know, the new direction of your franchise. Or you have to just go, well, we'll take the risk and see how bad the shoulder is and we're going to wait another year. if, If the talk of taking someone at 47 or at 77. That means that you don't you if you think they can be a franchise quarterback, a good Super Bowl winning franchise quarterback, you take them at 16 if you don't think that then there's no point having a you know given your other needs at offensive line defensive line safety and all that you don't take a good backup at 47 even even if you think they're a very good backup and could maybe win you two or three more games if cam got hurt in a season if Cam you know you have to believe that your, your franchise quarterback is going to be healthy and if you don't think that then you have to assume you don't have a franchise quarterback at all and go from there and if 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 Cam is hurt, then draft someone at 16 if you believe in them. And if you don't believe in them, then don't draft them until you get to the fourth round. Because there's no, you know, what teams have shown time and time again is that unless you have an elite roster built to compete right now, then having a mediocre starting quarterback doesn't really do you anything but robs you of good draft picks down the line and wastes a couple of years of your rebuild. Having having a Geno Smith or, or, or uh, I don't know, uh, you know, having a player like that who, who is going to be good enough that you, you know, you might win four or five games rather than two or three doesn't really get you anywhere. You're either making the playoffs and competing for Super Bowls, or you're trying to rebuild and get to that point. Yeah. And, and I don't think any quarterback at 47 significantly moved the needle from needing to rebuild to being a title contender. Um. And I, it just, it seems like a hedge, frankly.
0: Yeah, you have to be very lucky to find a starting caliber quarterback in the second round. And he, but even if you get a starter, you
1: ha, having someone like a Derek Carr is only good if you have an elite roster around him. And the Panthers are not in a, they're in a position that if camp, like if you look at the way the camp, the roster is built right now. If Cam gets hurt again and it's clear you have to tear it down and start again, the roster is actually in a pretty good position to do that. They have a number of pending free agents. They don't have loads of long term cap tied up. You know, Cam can be got away from if he if he if he's if he's if he's done and he needs to retire or he's just never going to be the same player again. You can do that in a year or two without taking massive cap casualties. And most of your key pieces, the, the Christian McCaffrey's, the Luke Keekly's are young enough that you can re-sign them for another five-year contract and go again. But but that this isn't... Uh, uh, if, if you take away Cam Newton and replace him with a mediocre quarterback, this is not a tight Super Bowl-contending roster. And and trying to grab a quarterback to expand that window, this 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 isn't the Saints who are right on the brink and need to just take away the worst-case scenario. This is a team that... If Cam Newton plays like the Cam Newton we know he can be, then they can contend because he's an all time great player. But without him, this is not a roster that can carry a mediocre quarterback. And yeah. and you have you have to commit to Cam or commit away from Cam. You can't try and do both at once because that isn't you don't have the assets and the roster to do that. You, you you can't do an, an, what the Eagles did, or or and have a, a really young rookie and decent and a veteran starter because you haven't got the roster around them to get away with that. Yeah. Um. And, and yeah, no. It, it just if if you need a quarterback, drop a quarterback because you need a quarterback. Don't drop a quarterback because you think it takes away the oh no, we, you know. Sure, if you have had you know uh, a a decent rookie quarterback last season, they might have gone. Nine and seven, rather than seven and nine. But nine and seven is basically meaningless unless you're going to contend for a title, and they, you know, that wouldn't have made the playoffs anyway. So you might, you might, you either have to, you know, bite the bullet and just take the chance and go for it. I think.
0: Yep. Um, who, who are the outventurists, Who are the Panthers linked with in the second round? If it's a quarterback? Yes, yeah, Will Greer. Are you a fan?
1: <laughs> uh, not, not particularly. I mean, I, like, again, as I said with quarterbacks, I, I wouldn't bet huge amounts of money that he's either going to be great or not great. But I, I, he might be okay. Like I could see him being a Derek Carr, or uh, yeah, I could see him being like a Derek Carr, maybe as a best case scenario. But I don't think he's ever going to be a quarterback who carries a team. You know, no, he's his he he's, he's he's an Alex Smith or a Derek Carr as a best case scenario, and neither of those players have shown the ability to contend without excellent coaching and offensive support and the fact that they're both able to stop their teams being complete you know barring last year with 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 Derek Carr where the roster was just taken away from him you know he was able to keep them as a seven and nine team apart from the one year where they had great supporting casts and then they were a 10 and 16 whatever it was you know they he's not going to move the needle massively he takes away the worst case scenario and that's that's this isn't a team that's in that situation
0: why does the nfl play pay players uh, like Derek Carr and alex smith so much then because you could make an argument say well if you're getting a, a player of Derek Carr's caliber in a second round that's that's really cheap um, yeah for someone like that um
1: yeah but you then have to have the roster around them to make it worth it The the it's one of the things where if you drop on the second round that that gives you a four-year window to compete as it were yeah and and this roster is not in a position to immediately compete in the next two or three years unless you have an elite quarterback like and particularly not if you're spending draft picks on quarterbacks like if you're spending a top 50 draft pick on a quarterback rather than say an edge rusher or or a free safety that's that's a significant impact to the talent you know particularly if you hit on 47 on one of those positions that's a Hit, significant hit to the quality of this roster. Um, I, it, I think the reason why teams value Smith and, and Carr is some of it is because NFL teams are not just built to win football games; that they're, they're built to sell tickets and merchandise, and team owners don't want their teams to be terrible. Although, like it's, it's the same reason why, like analytics-wise, trading Khalil Mack was an, a decent, a pretty good move because actually if you're going to be bad you might as well be really really bad and get extra assets for it um but a lot of teams don't think like that they want to they want to get in the playoffs they want to be relevant in december even if it doesn't mean they're relevant in january and actually long term that's not the right way to win championships it just might sell you more season tickets in the next two or three years Mm, so bringing more of a nba strategy to the nfl but i mean it, it makes sense i mean like if Cam Newton's healthy you're a title contender if Cam Newton's not healthy then you're probably going to get a high draft pick and it's better to be that than the Cam Newton's healthy you're a title contender but not as good as one of you would have been if he was healthy and you spent it on an edge rusher and if he's not healthy then sure you're probably not going to make the playoffs still but you're also therefore not going to you might win you know two or three more games but you're also not going to get a top 10 draft pick or you said not gonna get a top five draft pick and it, it's you, you 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 basically you you drag your 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 outcomes towards the middle and that's not a great outcome in a league which is only really relevant about making the playoffs and winning titles that there, you know, there is no relegation in the nfl to try and avoid there's no you know, the worst case scenario is you get the first overall draft pick and therefore a better suited to rebuild you know three no one cares who got an two and 14 record three years ago as opposed to a five and 11 record three years ago that's not how the nfl works it works in terms of who was contending for super bowls and i don't think a second round quarterback changes that very much yep Um, this this is a there's a longer rant that could be had there but I'll, i'll try and cut it short for now but okay. it, 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 basically
0: it just... you want the Panthers to be bad is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah if, if you're not going to win t- super bowls at least really suck like suck properly and actually then have a chance of really rebuilding and give yourself a shot at a Trevor Lawrence rather than you know let's let's try and consistently build around a mediocre court. You. And, and the thing is, then, even you know, it, once you get to those four years, the way the NFL contracts work is it's not like it, if you get a decent start, if you get a Derek Carr and Alex Smith, it's not it's not like going to be cheap in five or six years time. Like Derek Carr's contract is dragging down the Raiders because you're having to pay a mediocre guy like a superstar, because that's how NFL quarterback contracts work. And it, yeah, it, it's 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 a short term drag you to the middle solution, which I don't think serves anyone other than maybe your short term financial interests. right now that is isranttober um <laughs> anyway shall we shall we stop for now because we have
0: yeah.
1: have been going on for a while um I will be so there'll be the the big board will come out this week and there'll be a couple of other sort of draft pieces and mock drafts and stuff um I the plan at least for now is to for me to be on the uh the keep on Pond- pounding co- uh, podcasts uh after the first round so I'll be talking about whatever happens then then and you can get the the, the will Greer rant 2.0 probably <laughs> Um, and then I think hopefully the plan is for us to do then a breakdown next weekend. Yeah. Um, though exactly what that will look like, we're not totally sure yet. Uh, but for now, I think we're done. Uh, as always, please you know rate, subscribe, tell your friends if you liked it, and that kind of stuff. Um, anything else, Dan?
0: I uh, think you've you said everything. Okay. In which case, we will we will
1: speak to you next week and hopefully <laughs> things go well in the draft. Yep. Fingers crossed. anyway
0: Bye. Thanks for listening. Right, we're recording now. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Great British Drafting Show, powered by Awful Carolina and a proud part of the Riot Network. Uh, We're a podcast that takes a canvas panthers focused actually i'll start again might as well <laughs> yeah right yeah go for it, go for it. Yeah, sorry about that no it's oh. fine